Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Then keep it. It feels like it's been three weeks. Well, because Pride Weekend was also this weekend, and so I am once again a shattered skull. I'm dead. Yeah. I'm dead. Um, I did nothing yesterday but watch Netflix. No, I truly I wanted to just be around like the films of Natalie Wood. I didn't want to do anything. <laughs> I would like to bring you both like some cucumber slices for under the eye. Yeah. <laughs> a sheet uh, mask. I'm looking perhaps. like the painting, the scream. <laughs> Uh, and I'm doing it all again in like two weeks. Oh, World Pride? Yeah, in New York. I think I chickened out. I don't think I'll be going to that. You know, 50th anniversary of Stonewall. I want to throw some bricks. Who mm-hmm. are you throwing bricks at? Um, I don't know. Just general straight people. <laughs> probably. I'll, I'll, I'll find Linda Fairstein. Throw, throw a brick at her. <laughs> Chasing straight people around the city with Nerf bricks is kind of fun. Uh, also... The weekend tried to kill me because after Pride, um, where I was, you know, drunk and um, ready to die, we had the Tony Awards. Mm-hmm. We had Big Little Lies. Claws is back. I'm not even I caught saw, up on Claws. I saw a lot of very distressed homosexuals <laughs> who didn't know what to do between Claws and Big Little Lies and the Tonys and the Pride. They were like, I was, I was worried. It I was, was too I, much. I, I split into fragments. I just, my body refused to cooperate. Uh, I watched Big Little Lies yesterday afternoon so likewise yeah um luckily it's not game of thrones so you know you don't have the fear of being spoiled for big little eyes because even when you sort of see something that's happened on the show it's still absurd and doesn't really make sense until you watch it like yeah it's like a gif like reese witherspoon screaming I do not care about fucking homeless people. Or, or like Meryl Streep screaming at the dinner table. You're like, I don't know what this is about. Yeah. So I, I can watch the clip and it's not ruined for me. And almost nothing would justify it. So like when you actually see the clip, it's still incredibly shocking. Nothing justified um, Laura Dern singing Diana Ross's In My House. I was so <laughs> during a photo shoot. And in the most decadent crimson red LeMay looking outfit. If you didn't know and you just saw the clips, you almost wouldn't know it was a TV show. You're like, oh, Laura Dern did a fashion shoot. Reese Witherspoon had another incident with the police. <laughs> Meryl <laughs> Streep got mad at someone. Like, you don't even necessarily know that it's fiction. It was also, like, fashioned, this episode, as what I would call a series of acting duels. It would be, like, Reese versus Meryl or Nicole versus Meryl. And it really satisfies the Street Fighter instinct in me because they really all bring it. Particularly, I'm going to say the winner of the episode is Laura Dern, who is really giving you the Kim Cattralius performance on the show in that it really is not real what she's doing, but it elevates the craziness of the show in a way that makes it really awesome. I think she's competing with Reese because Reese is still like just in the character so much. Every eye movement, moments when she was like on the phone complaining about 
Jane's bangs oh, and ignoring yeah. the people she was supposed to be selling her house to. But Renata gave me my new favorite phrase of the summer, which is gossip for another day. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, all also, you know, Meryl is going to go to some haunted ass places soon. So can't wait for that. Uh, speaking of haunted ass places, um, we're going to briefly talk about the Democrats who are running for office because... What was it? Kara sent this to us in the email. I didn't think it was real. It almost it, was like, did Kara make it up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the walkout songs for every Democratic candidate. Uh, she found them on Twitter, and they are real. They are real. There was a piece in the Washington Post about all of them, and there's some truly horrific choices. Uh, some it's of them just, are great. I have to say, the the genre of walkout songs is so it's just like people who aren't cool trying to be cool but then also universally appealing like those two things don't <laughs> those are oxymorons like you can't do it it can't be all of those things do you remember when Barack Obama I don't remember what his songs were but there was a period of time where he was he was like the songs of the campaign are Joss Stone because she's like a white girl that sings black music <laughs> so it's like white people like her and black like it's that sort of calculated <laughs> thing where you're like I don't know, man. You could have just picked some Tina Turner and called it a day and the white people would have gotten on board just fine. Just like um, Tim Ryan, who I think who is, is the that? worst. The, the one from Ohio who's who's white. Sure. Okay. Uh, that, that's his angle. Yeah. Uh, his is Old Town Road, which <laughs> is... Sir, what are we doing here? I'll be honest. I, I was I wasn't here the weekend keep it. You guys talked about Old Town Road. I just don't get it. It's like a, a oh, little I, slow for me. I get it. <laughs> yeah. You gotta it's just like it's it's when that beat drops. Because yeah. it's just like a beat you're not gonna hear in country music in a way where like if I'm listening to most country songs, I can't dance. And mm. this, I'm like, if all country music had that beat drop, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'd be down for this. Yes, you know, I'm just like, listen, Tim McGraw. Mm -hmm. Where the beats? Where the beats? Right. Where the beats? Although Tim McGraw does slap. Um, Old Town Road is real ridiculous. That was a yes. choice. Um, there is Kamala Harris, who has <laughs> Mary J. Blige's "Work That," <laughs> which I'll is, allow it. Which is from a lesser MJB album in the first place. It's just so auntie vibes. I know, right? <laughs> which I I respect, but it's like. The auntiest, like a M and a Mary J. Blige deep cut. <laughs> uh, Gillibrand's is good as hell by Lizzo. I have to say no. I just it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. Uh, good her? as hell doesn't describe her. I don't yeah. know. Um, what kind of moves will she have walking out to it? I, I That's really the problem. Yeah, is if you're walking out to the song, you got to be able to do a little something and. All of these people would do well to recognize that this ain't their lane. Yeah. A little Elizabeth Holmes dance. Yeah. Right. No, I say Gillibrand is in the shape of Christine McVie. I don't see much in the way of moves coming from her. Uh, I think Amy Klobuchar's is fine. She Hers is the bullpen. It's by a Minnesota rapper named Dessa, who I enjoy and She's from Minnesota. So, yeah. you know, those are <laughs> fine. I think I made like Elizabeth Warren's the best, which is a nine to five. My yeah. Dolly Parton. I mean, it fits her. Yeah. You know, the one that 
Bernie Sanders, power to the people, is like just so Ooh. on the no. right. Yeah. Message. Do you hear yeah. the message? Or um, Mayor Pete's, which is High Hopes by Panic at the Disco. You know what? A little savvier than I expected. It, it is, but he does have like young gays working I on his say, campaign. I would say there's a particular gay upswing for Panic at the Disco that's been going on the past two years. So it is yeah. kind of a cute choice for him. Um, well, you know, because Brendan Urie himself right. is bi and, uh, or pansexual. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Pansexual erased. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be offended on whosoever's behalf. Peter Pan's. Right. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> I get it. Uh, it's also because apparently Frank Sinatra's High Hopes was JFK's theme song in 1960. Ooh. And uh, JFK was at that time the youngest person to win the presidency. I mean, he's not going to be president, so none of these things really matter. I don't know what he's worried about. Well, that's why it's called High Hopes, Kara. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Uh, the most sort of just like, I guess you did just pick a song the way you were like, Obama should have just picked Tina Turner is Cory Booker's It Is Lovely Day by but Bill, Bill Withers. Like- now, see, that's the traditional type of song. For <laughs> yeah. This, right. But by the way, guys, that's like from a commercial. Lovely. Uh, talk about. I'm sorry. That's the most boring Bill Withers song. I, it also just doesn't really work for the camp. Like, are you saying today is a camp? A lovely day. Tomorrow will be the camp. Like, I don't know what we're. What are we talking about, Corey? That's not, that song is very Sunday afternoon to me. Yeah. yeah. And it's not a good walkout song, more than anything. The campaign said Corey is a fan of Bill Withers. Overall, the song is heartwarming. But we're like human beings. We're all fans of him. For looking and soulful. He couldn't have walked out to some Rodario Dawson and Rant. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he should have walked out to? Jay-Z Lost Ones, which is famously mm. about Rosario Dawson. <sighs> Just wow. do some real meta. Layers. Yeah. What a moment. I don't think Jay-Z will be helping on the campaign trail. With, with these two. <laughs> Maybe the wildest one for me is Andrew Yang's Return of the Mac. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love a good wedding. I mean, that's just where I would hear Return of the Mac most of the time. Or on Sirius XM The Groove, which I also enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it had a lot of people sort of tweeting like, oh, I like this song choice. Um, I think Andrew Yang is interesting. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. He feels, I mean, uh, you know I don't know who any of these people are running for president, but he feels like the one who's fully on the just like, fuck it, I'm running for president because yeah. 45 other people are. Like, these are the type of decisions you make. You're like, yeah, fuck it, return of the Mac. I'm going to walk out to that because I'm never going to be president. So who gives a shit? That feels like his entire campaign is him just giving interviews like, I don't know, guys. Everyone's listening. I'll just say whatever the fuck. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, he did recently tweet that he is tired of us talking about identity politics. Mm. Uh, right. And exactly. I'm like, and I'm like, sir, you're Asian. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> so. What would you walk out to? I think I would do. Um, well, now that Return of the Mac is in the game, I would walk out to Hey, Mr. DJ by Jeanne. That gets everybody going. <laughs> nothing i can't i don't even know i silence yeah i would walk into silence and then i would just stare at everyone sternly and be like the fuck are we doing here guys (laughs) Mm, yeah Uh, um i mean i'd I'd walk out uh something by rita why not we have a full episode today so we're not going to talk about the rest of these songs for many of these people whose names Kara doesn't know don't know uh and we don't care about 
Uh, I'm now thinking about Elizabeth Warren actually saying the phrase, pour myself a cup of ambition in your, in earnest. I think she would. It's actually a really great song choice for her. <laughs> anyway. Uh, coming up in this episode, we will be joined by the fantastic Regina Hall. Oof. What a moment. What a legend. I will never forget. Uh, and then we will also be talking about Grey's Anatomy. Mm. Ellen Pompeo went in. She's always going in. She really is. She rarely <laughs> stays out. <laughs> and before that, we'll be talking about the Tony Awards. Heard of it? It's theater. We'll be right back. The Antoinette Perry Awards for Excellence in Theater, or, you know, as you may know them, the Tony Awards, were this weekend. It was the 73rd annual awards ceremony, which is wild to me because, you know, theater, they weren't giving out Tony Awards to Shakespeare. Yeah, or, yeah, or in, in the Theatron in Greece. Yeah. Sure, I took a history of theater class in, at, uh, in college. Diana, you were great as Clytemnestra this weekend. You're a shoe-in <laughs> for the Tony. <laughs> I just assume people were named Diana in ancient Greece. Oh, sure. James Corden hosted for a second time for some reason. Um, he really is like the new go-to because he did the Grammys a bunch of years. Like, yeah. You know... You know he's the Oscars are next. Right. Yeah, he's not inappropriate in any location. Yeah. yeah. He really just sort of did his own Beatles British invasion. He, he really did. I'm like, do you go home, sir? <laughs> Which, by the way, is actually pretty interesting because when he landed that show, it did seem like a random choice. Did Very it? random. You know, and now he just truly has ingratiated Random and then just like another white guy when everyone was like, oh, this slot was certainly going to go to a woman finally. And then we're like, this... This round British man, okay, but then he <laughs> who, who, he stuck around. Who popped into into the woods and then yeah. was like, "Let me parlay this into singing everywhere, so you all know I can sing." He is, you know what? Congrats, honestly, scammer. listen, you ran a game. <laughs> I don't, I don't not like carpool karaoke. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. I, I'm in it now. He did that. James Corden is doing what the other girls won't do. Wow. Anyway, we're talking about the Tony Awards and not um, deciphering how James Corden scammed his way into America. You know what's interesting always about the Tony Awards is you don't want the nominations overrun by just Hollywood celebrities. You know, you want like the, the theater community, which is obviously very vibrant and vital to like overtake the proceedings. But then the opposite thing occurs, which happened this year, where it's not there really weren't many movie stars involved at all. There was no Scarlett Johansson win or whatever. And so now you're in the position of like people in middle America needing to learn basically all new names or like key into the fact that, you know, people like Celia Keenan Bolger there for her fourth nomination, like finally won, but they don't really know who that is. Or do they even know who like Audra McDonald is? Or like, why is everybody so excited about this woman on private practice? They do know. Yeah, exactly. They know <laughs> she is just from private practice. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting what people know Broadway legends from, you know, well, Here's my thing that shocks me. I think that more people know at least the music or some of these faces more than we think. It's a $1.8 billion industry, you know, and... But that's all Hamilton. Uh, yes, Just right. <laughs> <laughs> and having lived in New York, you and I, Kara, yes. uh, we know that the city is very often overrun by middle Americans <laughs> who are confused on the subway sure. um, or are staying in Times Square. And um, when you have to make it through Times Square to get somewhere, will drive you crazy. I feel like a lot of these people are doing trips and they've seen, you know, 
some of the bigger shows, mm-hmm. at least. So maybe some of these people are familiar to them. You know, like Beetlejuice is up there. I'm sure a ton of people are traveling to New York to see that. Right, right, right. And that, you know, after the shows start touring, mm-hmm. I have to imagine that's when much of the familiarity because Mm -hmm. then if you're going and it's the touring cast but you're buying the the soundtrack and you're like oh who is this person like i have to believe that that contributes significantly to sort of the the spread of of broadway as opposed to like the first run of these shows and Mm -hmm. people in like sacramento or like oh yeah yeah i mean me back in milwaukee you know like that's how i discovered broadway you know you would listen to these um, cast recordings, you would see tours, and you'd be like, who is this person in this bad production of Rent? I thought I hated Rent until <laughs> I saw it on Broadway, and I still don't love it that much, but... I want to say, I just want everybody who grew up with like musical theater soundtrack albums to be grateful, because I totally, completely missed that in my childhood, and I still feel like I'm making up for not knowing oh my God. You know, basic musicals and my stuff. My grandmother would play um, My Fair Lady. Mm. My grandmother took me to a lot of plays, too, like in Seattle, like all of the theaters there, like all Same. of the touring shows. And so I was, I remember I had my little My Fair Lady, like, you know, the two VHS set. Mm. And she would, um, I'd be singing about Miss Eliza yeah. around the house. My grandmother took me to plays. And then we would always watch musicals at home, too. Like, I'm always surprised that you're not a bigger musical fan. I'm was, incredibly whenever, tone deaf. So whenever our friends are talking about musicals and things, you're sort of like, what? I like hide away. <laughs> like, what if we talked about Alanis Morissette? Yes. Um, I'm sure a moment that you did enjoy in the show was Elaine May won. Oh my God. For, Legend um, of Legends. The Waverly Gallery, um, a play that I assume is seven hours long because <laughs> Kenneth Longergan wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it co starred Lucas Hedges. It was wild to me. Well, you probably do this. She's never won an acting award before, it's, ever. M- it makes no sense. I mean, among legendary, I mean, Nichols and May were obviously a legendary comedy team, but just her as an entity, period, just one of these like witty, rad people that you just want to like eat up speeches from them constantly. So the fact that we haven't given her an opportunity just to pontificate at a, an award show podium is a, a crime against humanity. Has she won for screenwriting? No, uh, though she has some legendary. She was oh, nominated, I mean, nominated for, for Heaven Can Wait. She was nominated for Heaven Can Wait. Yeah. I don't think she won. And then uh, she wrote Ishtar, of course, and then things went south for her for a while. Wow. Everyone involved. You can blame <laughs> Warren Beatty. Right. But it was, by the way, you, <laughs> did you see him at um, uh, the Tonys? Yes. I, it took me a second. I was like, why is he here? Oh, Annette Benning. Annette Benning is in All My Sons and um, the better version start Sally Field on the West End. Oh, take that. And that's all okay. I'll say. Um, and, I, and I also have things against Warren Beatty for being the person who has prevented us from getting Dick Tracy, too. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. One of the most disturbing comic book movies ever. And I still think the one that's been nominated for the most Oscars. I think three, and then it won one. Madonna singing Sooner or Later by Son Han. You don't have to explain iconography to me. Do you think me. Black Panther beat it? Mm, I want to say it's still like two or something. Mm-hmm. By the way, Kara, speaking of Sondheim sooner or later, recently in Riverdale, Josie sang. I was like, where uh, are you going with this? Josie sang sooner or later by Madonna from the Dick Tracy soundtrack as um, Veronica quoted um, dialogue from Chinatown saying, forget it, Jughead. It's Riverdale. This show is a fever dream at this point. I can only assume there are some 48-year-old gay men writing for that show based on those references. I think it's just a writer's room of people that are like, 
wow, no matter what we do, people will still watch this shit. So let's just push the limit every time. I feel like they're trying to make people stop watching. And they're like, surely this and will do it. And, yeah, exactly. It's like the producers. <laughs> oh, no. Black Panther was nominated for seven Academy Awards. So Dick Tracy was the most nominated up until uh, Black Panther. Mm. Um, I just want to say I was unfortunately disappointed in the performance from the Cher show at the mm. Tonys. Now, Stephanie J. Block, one of these people that uh, only Broadway fans know, plays Cher along with a few other people who play Cher. They did a version of Believe that sounded so much like what you would predict a Broadway loungy version of Believe would sound like. Mm-hmm. Couldn't we, it, needed, it felt like half the speed of normal Believe, which is not that fast a dance song anyway. By the way, I saw Stephanie J. Block uh, play Alphaba multiple times. Oh, yeah. Because I saw Wicked, oh, I, I think. Wicked. I think I saw Wicked 10 times in Chicago between freshman and sophomore year of college because we had nothing to do during the summer and we entered the lottery. And if you oh, won, my God. tickets were $20. I saw Wicked. So we entered every day. <laughs> I saw Wicked in New York, but was mad about it. I remember, mm. like my we were visiting, and it was not the show. Like when we would go to New York, we'd see a few shows. Mm-hmm. Like, and my sister, I think maybe wanted to see it, or someone wanted to see it, and I was livid about having to go see Wicked. And then I loved it. I fucking love Wicked. <laughs> Do you know what my charming story about seeing a, a show is? In New York, I stayed there for three months when I was riding on Billy on the street and I got tickets to see The Color Purple. Imagine not wanting to see The Color Purple. Who was in it at the time? Um, Heather Headley, who I love. Mm. Very excited. Friend calls me, goes, what are you doing this Saturday afternoon? I was like, I am seeing The Color Purple and you're not going to stop me. He goes, unfortunately, I have an extra ticket for the fourth row of Hamilton and you don't have to pay uh... for it. Would you like to go? And you have no choice but to take the Hamilton ticket. Yeah. So I never saw the color purple. Mm. I saw the color purple with Fantasia. Oh, sure. I saw it with Fantasia. And I remember that was during the era when Fantasia uh, sometimes would not be there for the second act. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But but luckily, uh, I got to see her in both acts of the show. Speaking of Wicked, by the way, do you know that's one of John Lovett's favorite musicals? (laughs) Really? He and I have talked about Wicked often. I, the last time I really thought seriously about Wicked, it was when it was uh, Bernie and Hillary, and I thought they should close out this uh, election season with a, a performance of For Good. Mm. I think I drunkenly sang Dancing Through Life Through the Streets of Amsterdam recently. I think you did, too. Yeah. Well, um, there were a lot of really big wins. First of all, Town, which may be the new Hamilton by the way, it is a take on the Greek myth of Orpheus and Eurydice set in a post-apocalyptic Great Depression era setting. All I know about this show is there was recently a profile of the very hot chorus boy who's in the show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it got 14 nominations. And, and it was based off an album by the woman Anais Mitchell, who won a Tony last night. That was released on Ani DeFranco's Righteous Babe label. So they actually, they, they secreted my area of insight into the performance. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, so we'll probably be hearing a lot from Town in one best musical. <laughs> also, there was Allie Stroker, who became the first person who uses a wheelchair to ever win a Tony Award. She won for Best Performance by an Actress in... Oklahoma. Playing one of the most annoying roles in Broadway history. (laughs) I do laugh, but uh, it is very a particular type of voice. I'm thinking of seeing it when I go to New York, but I truly, truly hate 
Oklahoma. I mean, they I, I, obviously the revamped version that's on Broadway right now is like not like any other yeah. Oklahoma you've seen. But I definitely watched that in high school. And the song Poor Judd is Dead I, is just one of the problematic songs. This, <laughs> this would have to be a real yeah. easy like you can't have to you, you're not out like sleeping on a sidewalk for this Oklahoma. Ticket. No. Also, imagine being in Milwaukee and going to see a high school production of Oklahoma where the only actor who was black in the show was Judd. That's too bad. Guys, too wow. bad. My, my high school, middle school, which was almost all white people, did a production of The King and I. Oh. Just going to leave that one there. Hey, Kara, <laughs> our high school did a production of The King and I. No. And I was in it. Oh, no. And I wore oh, no. Walgreens Tanner. No. You're like all the kids no. that were tanned when my school did um, West Side Story. Oh, uh, God. And, and. Not just like a big musical that we need to do. Our freshman year, one of the plays we did was The Royal Hunt of the Sun. So you had to put a lot of white people from Milwaukee and Tanner to play Incans. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. <laughs> I like looking back on high schools and remembering that. The, the casual black face. Yeah, oh yeah. The casual black face. I mean, I'm thinking of how I looked in that Tanner, and it just... <laughs> I looked like Adobe. Like, it was that kind of orange. Yeah. Um, but one of the big initiatives that's sort of been coming out uh, Broadway lately is led by Tony winners Bonnie Cumley and Stuart Lane, who've been working to integrate the tradition of musical theater into the modern streaming generation by creating Broadway HD. When Holland Taylor was on the show, she talked about how Broadway HD is great, and I signed up for it. There's not that many shows on it that, you know, people would really want to see. Like, Hamilton's not on it. But I was able to watch Falsettos with Andrew oh. Rannells. Mm-hmm. I was able to watch that again. And um, there's some other good things on there, too, like Sutton Foster in concert. But what do we sort of think about this idea of digitizing Broadway? Because, I mean, definitely talking as kids who grew up liking, you know, musical theater or even wanting to discover it, like you, Lewis, um, it would have been easier if you could have just... Totally. You know, watched it on your computer. Yeah, I think the instinct is correct because clearly there are people who just, no matter what happens, will never have access to Broadway. Whether they don't live there, they can't afford it or whatever. So the fact that this material is getting out there is really exciting. I hope we also advance the ways in which we film theater. You know, I, I like mm-hmm. I think of PBS a lot. Like mm-hmm. I used to watch kind of masterpiece um, type things. And like, you know, they can be compelling. And we've also had movies like the one that comes to mind is Fences, where that is pretty specifically just oh, a play that is in a movie, oh, yeah. you know, but I really liked it. You know, like they just like zeroed in on the performances and you really felt like you were a part of it. Whatever. I've been standing here with you, mm-hmm. Troy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever cried harder than that, movie. that no, the nose cry. Uh, yeah. The a snot. Full, not, a not, cataract. Yeah. Snot cataract. I might have felt, I think I actually might have felt differently before Hamilton, interestingly enough, because I, I saw Hamilton like the original cast, original run, and spent so much money mm-hmm. to go see it. And I was like, you know, this is like a one in a lifetime sort of thing. Everyone's talking about, I'm going to pay the money, I'm going to go. And then when I went and it was just old white people who won, I was like, do not understand the references that are being made. Do not like what makes Hamilton good. If you like Hamilton, I think is 
the way that he infused hip hop and the references that he has and and the nods to certain rappers and artists and things like that. And, you know, in the context of this, this story in American history. And I was like, oh, none of these people get that. Like none of these people really get like a very large chunk of like the brilliance of this and what was so difficult. And it just made me really angry. And I was like, oh, because they're all rich and they have money and they heard that it was popular and they went. Um, and so I think before that, I probably would have been more of like, you know, it's like theater and there is something to like when you sit down and you're in, you know, whatever. But um, I think that like it's not why should everyone else not get to experience that? Mm -hmm. Because they don't live in New York. And even if you lived there, like you remember the the raffles they would do when it was mm -hmm. just like all of these people so desperate to see the show. But they're like, I don't have four hundred dollars mm -hmm. for a fucking nosebleed seat to a musical. So I, I like the democratization of of that of this art form that like is really the last one that I feel like is so it's out of reach for so many people, unlike a movie and books and television. And even if you do want to enter the raffle, you know, living in New York and being broke, you're usually competing with a bunch of tourists. Too, yeah, and it's, in, it's in the middle of the day. <laughs> yeah. So like if you have, you know, I, re I remember my dad was when my dad was visiting and we wanted to get tickets to see Book of Mormon. And he I, I worked in Midtown. So he was like, go to Midtown and get the tickets. And he was willing to pay a lot of money. So I like went to the box office and bought the tickets. But then I see all these people sleeping on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's part of like the fun of Broadway and like, mm -hmm. you know, getting in last minute. But I'm like, you shouldn't be sleeping on the damn sidewalk in 95 degree weather to see Book of Mormon. The longest I've waited in a line was an hour and it was called um, and it was to see the original run of Spring Awakening. Mm. Uh, but I was, you know, college students. Right. So, um, so that's the thing. Like, I was you able to go there in the morning. Yeah. If you have a job, <laughs> you're never seeing Hamilton. You know, if you have a job that isn't paying you a lot of money, you're never seeing that. So I, I think that um, I like the idea of also then, especially with Hamilton, you had all these people talking about a show they'd never seen. Mm -hmm. So I was mm -hmm. like, no one needs that. Well, I was thinking about that too, just because of the opening James Corden's, you know, singing like it's the song was it's live, you know, like you have to see it live. Like Broadway shows don't trend. I mean, it reminds Reminds me of when we had Jeremy Harris on the show, uh, and we was and everyone was sort of like talking about slave play online, and they were like, "I'm writing think pieces," or "Here's a long thread," but it's also like, "Think what you want about the play," but a lot of y'all don't live in New York, and you're just sort of going off of reviews or like a description, and I'm like, "Oh, wouldn't it be novel to be able to?" view something and then come up with a solid critique of why you don't like it. Um, and I think that, you know, there's probably a younger generation of playwrights now who would really love their work being more accessible yeah. to people, you know? And um, obviously there's the complaint that, you know, Broadway is now a $1.8 billion industry, you know? Is that going to knock money out of Broadway by digitizing it? And I don't, I don't know. I don't think it will, I doubt to be it. honest. I don't think the type of person, I, the type of person who's going to pay $300 for a ticket is not going to settle for going and watching it at home on their computer. Mm -hmm. Like that same person is still going to go buy a ticket and go to the show. It's now just, if anything, I feel like it's expanding the viewership. I don't think, I think people who like doing it, people who are on vacation, people who came to New York to do this, I don't think they're going to 
I don't think they're going to say I have an alternative now we're done. I was going to say I don't think there's a universe in which you see a recording of a musical you love and then th- and then don't think I'm going to see it live, but it's you like know. People yeah. buy albums and then go to concerts. Yeah, people right, watch right. sports on TV and then still buy tickets to go to games. So I, you know. Right. And you still make it to the movies to see like fucking Endgame or something, you know, like there is just something fun about going to the theater sitting down and watching a show. And wondering about the backstage drama and and, and if people are still coming out like it's my high school production of Witness for the Prosecution. (laughs) November 2003. You want to see some subtext? Look up my yearbook. Mm, All right. Well, mine just usually involved me watching my nemesis, who I will not name, be cast in the lead in many of our shows. In oh, mm-hmm. I was yeah. too busy getting the leads. That was the problem with me. Mm, yeah, you and your blackface. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we're back, we'll be joined by icon Regina Hall. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams robe. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland and discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. 
Black perspectives have it always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black is the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. We are back with Regina Hall. I feel like I don't even need to introduce you. It's like Regina Ben Hall. <laughs> I like that. I never heard of it like that. Have you not seen this this Twitter phenomenon? This sort of like someone been whoever? No, yeah, no. Yeah, it lets you know that they've been in the game and you should not have just been introduced to them. Ira uses it ironically a lot of the time. It is very much appropriate today. The yes. three of us are not worthy. It is so exciting that oh, we're here. Oh my <laughs> goodness. I'm excited. Now I want to add that. My middle name is Lee. So it kind of works because it's -E -E. still one syllable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mine. It is? Yeah. See? You don't want that much in common with Ira. <laughs> Do not cherish this moment. Yeah. yeah. I kind of uh, like it. So, no, we're so excited to have you here. Um, I have been a fan of yours forever. I think all of us have been. Um, Since Allie McBeal? Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah. Allie McBeal? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. He's going to say pre. Yeah. Because it's a scary movie. Yeah. yeah. Because it's a scary movie, but I also did watch you on Allie McBeal. I watch <sighs> it every week <laughs> with my grandmother. Yeah. Oh, with your grandmommy? Yeah. She I would watch. That. She would watch Buffy with me on Tuesdays, and then Buffy. I would watch Allie McBeal with her. I love that. That see, you gotta love grandma. <laughs> <laughs> which just reminds me that was um, in Scary Movie, which mm -hmm. is iconic. Bro, um, one of the great characters just ever, let alone in like horror satire. <laughs> did they throw the line uh, when you're talking about that skeleton? Mm -hmm. Would you run from Callista Flockhart? Was that because you were on Ally McBeal? No, actually, that was an ad lib that was pre <laughs> Yeah, that was pre Ally McBeal. Okay. I oh. got Ally McBeal after and then I was like, oh no. <laughs> did did Callista find you on set? Yeah, no, no. You know what? Callista is act she's actually really, really sweet. I had a great time working with her and um she no, she didn't care at all. Yeah. No, but she was but I was nervous because I was a big Callista Flockhart fan. Mm -hmm. And so but the irony of getting offered that job was it wasn't where I thought that was going to be next. You know? mm -hmm. Well, so we were talking about that before asking Lewis, you know, like when he first became sort of well, aware yeah. of you. We were talking about how you've been in a lot of like iconic black films mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like, you know, we love in basketball and the best man and all that. And so I feel like and I think there's a larger narrative around you right now where there was like the New York Times spread about you finally getting your due, the Hollywood Reporter, Queens of Comedy, um, alongside like Phoebe Waller-Bridge mm -hmm. and Maya Rudolph. But I'm wondering if you feel like now you've been introduced to this different audience of people. Um, well, it's a different audience. I think for, you know, when you, when you go from comedy to drama, that's a different audience. And then when you go, you know, Scary Movie was, was a parody. So it 
kind of skewed to younger audiences. And I just think your audiences are ever expanding, kind Mm -hmm. of. Um, But when you do maybe, you know, uh, more dramatic pieces, Mm -hmm. I think you kind of discover people. But I mean, it definitely goes in the mainstream, which then Mm -hmm. would include... um, white audiences or I guess other ethnicities. But yeah, well, I think when you're predominantly doing um, films with black cast, black mm-hmm. directors, you usually have a core yeah. following. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, which is y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think before it was, you know, I think Scary Movie was, was it had all, all you know, uh, races, but they were young because it was mm-hmm. a parody. So it wasn't something that yeah. a lot of adults... But maybe adults were watching it. But you know what I mean? I did feel like it was a lot of young people who had watched the, um, I know what you did last summer. It was kind of those mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, that audience. Yeah. I feel like you are both distinctly good at being very broad and very grounded, which is super rare. Because usually I think one people are known for one or the other. And I was wondering which of those you prefer to play. Oh, I love them both. I mean, I really do. I think what happens, though, is you work and people, because I started out broad, even though I didn't start out broad, I guess Best Man. Yeah. And then, but it was smaller. And then, but because the big movie was broad, then people were like, then you have to fight for them to for to say, oh, I can do stuff that's more grounded and more subtle. So it's always, you're always kind of expanding the boundaries. But I like, I like to do it all. I mean, I had as much fun playing Brenda as I did and support the girls. I mean, for me, it's all character driven. So whenever I get to sit down and create a character, you know, and play with great people, Keenan was great to work with in in in, in Scary Movie because it was my first comedy. And he's someone who allows and encourages ad libs. And I think working with that kind of director for your first time, it sets a tone where you feel more comfortable, where if you had another type of director, maybe you wouldn't explore things the way you can. So it just, it all, I mean, I kinda, it kind of all depends on who you're working with, too. Are you doing a lot of sort of like ad libs and things on Black Monday, which is... Yeah, that's I think it. you get to play both. You get to do the yes. grounded, sort of like romantic stuff, um, which I think a lot of people aren't really talking about. They think of Black Monday as just like this 80s crazy, like, cocaine, <laughs> you know? Um, but it's, I'm watching it, I was like, this is really just like a fun romantic comedy between It is. It's like a, it's like a, it's like, you know, kind of like moonlighting. It's the, yeah. it, but you know, but with cocaine. Yeah, um, <laughs> of course with cocaine. Yes, of course. It was the eighties. Um, and big hair. But no, it is. It is. There's a lot. There, there are a lot of elements to it, and to all the characters' relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's her relationship with with um, Blair, mm-hmm. and obviously with Mo. But you know, um, Keith has his relationships. I think everybody. It's all mm-hmm. kind of like this ensemble with all these little stories, but at the end of the day, it's very grounded because once all the craziness sits, it's kind of about being human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're definitely more grounded here in Shaft, which we just saw. It comes oh, out this week. You guys <laughs> yes, we did. But you do have a funny... Uh, which is my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, the best scene. The, yeah. the, the, the mirror scene in the bathroom oh, is the best you. scene in the movie. Thank you. Yes. That was an ad lib scene. That was one of those scenes <laughs> where Tim was like, it wasn't a scene before. And he mm-hmm. was, it was just she goes to the bathroom and looks. But then he was like, let's make it something. So then he made it something and they, they had the, well, the woman. Mm-hmm. Who, that was very funny. Yeah. That was, <laughs> <real>. <laughs> <laughs> was there, so it's kind of like, oh well, if she's going to be here, what do you? What would be shocking for this woman to hear? Yeah. Um, 
but I'm glad you guys saw it. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> oh, we do the homework here. Yeah. yeah. You all do. Oh, yeah. You really do. Yeah. You really do. We got to know what's me... going on. I Wait, I did a junket once, and the guy comes in, and he, I, I swear to God, this is a long time ago. I can't remember what movie it was. Maybe it was King's Ransom, but he basically, he, um... He thought I was Sanaa Lathan. And <gasps> I, but I did the whole interview as Sanaa Lathan. Oh you know, like, for me, I wasn't offended. I thought it was funny. So I, did, I was like, I was like, well, you know, as Sanaa Lathan, you know. <laughs> and then the next time I saw him at another junket, his boss was there. He got in trouble. And oh. I didn't want him to get in trouble. I just thought it was funny. But I guess when he probably took that tape to yeah. work. <laughs> you How do you feel? Like, there's this sort of class of black actresses that you have all sort of come up together. Like, right. Sanai, I feel like, is mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. in that. And it. I'm wondering if you really feel like there's now been this real time to shine for you. I mean, you've had some back-to-back. You've had a lot going on mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the last few I mean, you've had a lot going on your whole career, but, you know, Little, The Summer, and Shaft, and Black Monday. And if it feels like that kind of wave is is finally crashing with these actresses that you've come up mm-hmm. with. I guess. I mean, we're all close. My friends, you know, like... You know, Sanaa, Gabrielle, everybody's very supportive. And, um, but I, I mean, I probably, because I always was working. If I wasn't working, you know, then I probably would have, it would have been, but then they were, they would have just been like, you're going to get a job, honey. Because, <laughs> you know, they say that too. Your friends always yeah. say that. But, mm-hmm. um, you guys are the yeah, Apple commercial yeah. with like Carrie Washington and Mary oh, Jibway. That's yeah. what I seem you're all doing. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. You and Gabrielle Union and Sonali Lathan. Far less exciting, but, you know, um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you know, you're, you're not, um, you're not kind of as engaged in that portion. But uh, yes, I mean, I'm yes, they were more definitely more famous Mm -hmm. and more like, Gab, can we have a picture more Sanaa? But I never felt it from them. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I think when you don't feel it in your peer group. Right. And then you don't you don't think about it as much because you're there, you know, Taraji, they're all treating you the same. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm so Nas cute. She used to do this. She used to be like, this is Regina. She's an amazing actress. <laughs> oh, she was so cute. You, you don't know Regina. I'd be like, oh, baby. <laughs> but no, they were. No, all my friends are great. Yeah. I'm always obsessed with when somebody is such a, this is such a boring term to describe an actor, consistent as you are. I'm like, I am transfixed by awesome actors. Like, I just want to keep, you know, they're like landscapes. I want to keep looking and learning, et cetera. Who is someone like that for you where you just watch them and are awed? Or is anybody mm. like that for you now? Oh, my goodness. There's so many people like that. I mean, there'd be too many to name, but there's so many artists whose work I just, I mean, I hate saying Meryl Streep, but she's someone I used to just, I would still watch and watch and watch and watch yeah. and watch. And I never get tired of watching her. I love Sally Field, you know, um, Alfre Woodard, I loved. I mean, even men too. You know, Don <laughs> Cheadle. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, men do act, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think. Check that. Out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get that. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't want to. Also, get... a lot of people don't know that. Like, Sally Field has like a black follow. Like, people yeah, like her. people love her. Yeah. She was Gidget. You yeah. Know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and they ma- and Goldie Hawn. So they even if I wasn't there, Jane Fonda during their entire career, you meet them where you are at your life, and then you go back and right. you start looking at stuff. You know, that preceded you know you, and and they just just they're but they're they're. 
There are so many of them. And now you're Don's like. Don's one of them. You're okay. sitting across from Jane Fonda at the, yeah. at the Hollywood Reporter Roundtable yeah. where like this was yeah. these idols and now you're you're at the table with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it is. It's a, um, it's an amazing and, you know, odd experience. Yeah. If I could jump back in your career, mm-hmm. I was trying to find a clip of your first acting role mm. because so I'm a big soap opera fan uh, and you were perfect, <laughs> but I could no, not find didn't. one of you on Loving oh thank God <laughs> sounds like she destroyed the negative God, yeah. God didn't want to do that to you um, I know I don't even know if I have a clip it was it was it was it was Oh wow! Who did you play? <laughs> yeah, for, for you our know audience? what? This is this is how you know it was bad casting because there was uh, <laughs> I was supposed to play was I can't remember his name, but the character he was a white guy, and he finds out that he has a daughter. Okay, mm-hmm. so I was supposed to be his daughter. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> and someone paid me, so the fact that he bought it was also shocking because he was like, <laughs> you see him later, like I have a daughter, and so she was a college student, and they paid her to go and. She did, you know, like I think I did two or three episodes, a scam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously she wasn't as tough. <laughs> I mean, the show, the, sh- the show was wild. I mean, oh. I think someone was addicted to cough syrup. Yeah, on that show like they were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Loving was like 30 <laughs> minutes of what? But, um, but I was excited. I had no hair person. Like it was my hair. Oh, was you, this, no, it did was, you have to do your like own hair? I went in, sat in the chair, and they kind of patted it. You're fine. You're good. Go ahead. And I had these little glasses on. And it was... I'm were, sure it was worse in the 90s with having nice. someone do oh, your hair as a oh black woman on set. Oh, my goodness. And my hair was natural, so they were, they were like, you're fine. Yeah. But they were very... But it was nice. I mean, you know, it's nice. But it was it was different because it was a soap, and, you know, they move. They do a lot in a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was in and out so fast. They move fast. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Sana thing, too. Mm-hmm. I always wonder, do people still confuse you for Regina King? You know what? It's <laughs> This is the thing. They never confuse me. Like, you're, they just get the names wrong. Okay. And they do it for me and they do it for her. You know, like, we get tagged. Um, I don't you know. It's like, they'll be like, you go, girl, with the Oscar. Like, oh. <laughs> and what's weird is, it's like, I don't know how they do it because even the fact that they would do it in social media when her... Her her name is I am Regina King, <laughs> and they still tag more Regina Hall, and they do it, and they do it, they do it in press releases, they do it all the time, and I don't. There's a movie I there. Understand. There's a movie of like you two. I don't know. You're like desperately places. seeking Susan. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. It's a very. It's You're both a, playing yourselves. Both, yeah. and I then know. You get mixed up. No. I want to see that movie. And they do it for her. They did it on the red carpet just when we, I was at the Indie Spirit. They were like, "Are you excited about tomorrow night for the Oscars? Um, we think you're going to win." And I was like, "Well, I won't." <laughs> <laughs> the young woman who just was ahead of us, Regina King, she will. But you know, it's all you know, like you know, maybe it's a name. I, I, I was asking. I was like, "I wonder, does this happen to like?" Kate well, Winslet. Like, does it, Winslet and Kate Blanchett. Yeah. It doesn't happen to the, the like six white Chrises. Right. I want, yeah, I guess, yeah. Everyone gets those names real yeah. straight. You know, no one's like Chris Pine, like, how are you doing playing yeah. Captain America? Right. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, I wonder, does it happen? I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it does happen. 
Hmm. And Maybe we this just is the next know. round table. It's you, all of the Chris's. Yes. The Reginas, the Reginas and all the Kate. We'll get <laughs> Regina Bell, Regina yeah. Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Every Regina there ever was. And just <laughs> sit and see what get they Get to say. the bottom of it. Yeah. So but she's great. So. You have all these movies now where you're front and center and you are dazzling in all them, particularly support the girls. Yes. I just want to ask, did y'all like Shaft? Yeah. yeah. I was about to say, you don't cover your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My question is, do you think you've been prepared for these roles your entire career, or did you have to have a career in movies in order to sort of work up to be like a centerpiece in these films? I mean, I think it's different for everyone. I think for me, I have friends who were able to be do, do it much earlier. They had different um, experiences. I think for me, I think it's better. I think it worked out the way it was supposed to, just for just for me, you know what I mean? But I don't think that there's one way. You know, I mean, having just done The Hate You Give with Amanda, who's 19 and mm-hmm. was front and center, I thought she—I think she's phenomenal. You what know a what performance. I mean? She's yeah, fabulous. She, yeah. And, and, I, and, and Marseille was like— And Marseille was amazing. In, yeah. yeah. If y'all if they, y'all had me at 14, they would have been like, this is a debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a tragedy in the making. Um, but, you know, so I think it just depends on who, like, that person is. And, you know, but for me, I had to— do you know I like observing Mm -hmm. and so I like really like for me like the information it has to sit there's so much that goes on you know it's yeah it's it's different so I think um you know I think I I think I I love it this way what was it like entering such an iconic franchise with Mm -hmm. Shaft it's so crazy. It was great because my brothers used to love Shaft and, you know, Richard Roundtree. I think my mama liked Richard Roundtree. And <laughs> he still looks... He's he such looks, a yeah. good yeah. Also, man. the he's timing is man. on. He is fab. Yeah. He is. No, he's so handsome. Um, and then, you know, I was, you know, Sam Jackson, who's been... He's probably shooting as we speak. Sam, <laughs> Sam never stops working. 15 and, Avengers yeah, movies yeah. right now. No, Sam is incredible. And I, it's like I watch Sam. I watch, anything I watch, I'm like, dang. It's like it's incredible the amount of work he's done. Was this your first time working with Sam? It was my first time yeah. working uh-huh. with wow. Sam. Yeah. That feels crazy just in the black Hollywood matrix yeah. that that had never quite yeah. lined up yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so there's a lot of people who I've actually never worked with. But he was amazing to work with. I had, you know, I had known slightly socially um his uh wife mm-hmm. um who's also an incredible actress um Latanya so Jackson I hadn't I had only met him once mm-hmm. so you know it's a, you know Sam is like if you don't know Sam he's a little bit intimidating you're just like <laughs> I was like did job did he say yes I just wanted to make sure <laughs> I was like I want to make sure Sam is okay with the choice but it was <laughs> it was it was interesting and it was also great cuz I did not know I hadn't before you read the script you're like what are they going to do in this next, mm-hmm. you right. know, installment in this in this remake, and how do they make it, you know, work today? And I thought, right, because it's a sequel too. Because I was in, in my mind, I kept thinking, oh, it's a remake, but I'm like, no, Sam was Shaft. In yeah, Sam was Shaft. Yeah. And it's a sequel, and so you're like, well, what do we do? But I thought the way they did it when I read the script was smart and it was funny and mm-hmm. it still kept the action, but it was great to see Sam as Shaft still mm-hmm. be. <laughs> you get in on some of the action. Like, do you want to do some action movies yourself? I, you know what? It it was it was weird because you're reacting to these things that aren't happening, and I was, <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, that was bad. Let's do it, <laughs> do it again. Um, but it's fun to do action. It mm-hmm. is. You know, I know I'd use. You know how you hear people are like, I didn't use my stunt double. I'd use mine. <laughs> <laughs> my stunt double would earn their money because <laughs> I. You know, some of it. You know, some of the stunts are hard. Mm-hmm. 
What has been the weirdest fit for you as an actor, like a movie you can't believe you were in? Because of, because. Just you never pictured yourself being in a movie of this kind or whatever. Oh. Well, hold on. What was that adult film that I just did? Kate, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> keep it exclusive. Wow. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, no. Well, I do want to ask about one of my favorite recent roles of yours mm. in the slavery parody. Oh, my God. And insecure. insecure. Well, that's yeah. certainly not one that I thought <laughs> yeah. I'd be doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my with uh, Ninny. Ninny. Was yeah. Do North. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because Issa and I, you know, we're friends and they were like, you have an offer from, you know, Insecure. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I bet she probably wants me to play her boss. So I said, do you know, <laughs> they're like, you know, my agent was explaining it. It's going to run for a couple episodes, but you're going to take. And I was like, well, what is it? And he said, well, I should just send it. <laughs> I said, OK. You know, I was like, I hope I thought I was going to be fabulous. I said, I'm probably going to be a high powered woman that comes in and. <laughs> You know, teaches the girls. And then I looked and it was like, Ninny. <laughs> and then I read the breakdown and I was like, and she was a happy slave. Like she was, well, she was in love with Chris she Foley. She was in with Scott love with Scott Foley. Yeah. yeah. She didn't want to go. I listen. The, that in itself was I was like, now I know something's wrong with you. Right. The the politics of all that it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. But I was also just like, you and Scott Foley, I was like, I'm on board for whatever. Yes. I and I love Scott Foley. He's mm-hmm. so sweet and so great. And we it was so weird because we actually went and had all the clothes from I mean these I mean they did costuming, wardrobe. And we had and I was like, this I had just gotten my little tips. They were like, nope, not back then. <laughs> so I take my tips off, and but we it's but we had so much fun shooting it, and then we were reading it, and you know they're mad. Remember, she was jealous because yeah. she thought the sister was sleeping, <laughs> and then the husband and his I hate slavery, and that line, and then the dinner scenes. It was just all, but we had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then I poisoned the wife. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like I wasn't bad. <laughs> this is the spinoff we need. Yeah, I know. I HBO. only want Scott Foley acting opposite black <laughs> from Kerry Washington to you. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. He's such a great guy. So what? Uh, what can we expect from you next? Or like, what else do you want to do in your career? Like now, it seems like Hollywood is. Maybe almost your oyster now, where oh, you can like. Nice. Is Hollywood ever your oyster? I don't know. <laughs> um, well, you know what? I don't know. That's it's. I mean, there's some things that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. There's a project that I'm working on with Killer Films that I'm really excited about. I mean, I can't talk about it yet, but mm-hmm. we're, I'm like, really excited. We're kind of in development, and then there's um, a film um, that I'm about to start called. Uh, well, the tentative title is Breaking um, News in Yuba County with yeah, Allison Janney. My friend um, Amanda Itoko wrote that. Oh, really? Yeah. I love that. So I'm excited about that yeah. one. And then I'll do that this summer. And then I go back and we do season two of Black Monday. Okay. And t- so you got to watch season two. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you and Allison Janney you- is very exciting. I love, you know what? She's, and I love Juliette Lewis. They have a great cast, mm-hmm. you know. And Yasseron. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah. In his Yasser way. Yeah. I think Aquafina's in the movie. Yeah, Aquafina's in the movie. So that should be fun. It's shooting in Natchez. Speaking of due north. (laughs) Um, And I've never been to Natchez. Okay. I... I don't think I can find it on a map. Yeah, it's Natchez, Mississippi. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I can't even find Mississippi on Which a map. Which used to have the most millionaires, <laughs> more than New York and more than London. 
Mm. But yikes! I think we yeah. know. What, yeah, we know. <laughs> we know what the trade was. Yeah. Wow. Um, but that's, um, a, that's a good piece of. Uh, you know, you got to find the, the the little the trivia and nostalgia everywhere you I go. Get into that industry. Yeah. 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 I'm ex- <laughs> but I mean, I'm not like I'm not like excited, but I'm excited to yeah, go yeah. there. I've, I've just I'm like I can't even picture what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Nope. I think the shit was misspelled. I don't think it was original. I, think, <laughs> I don't think that was the original name. I think Natchez was something that somebody said wrong, and they were like, "Call it Natchez," you know? <laughs> and that's how it got its name. But I'm, but um, but uh, uh, Tate Taylor is there, and you know, he says it's amazing, and Octavia says it's amazing too. So it makes me very curious. Okay. Okay. You're gonna, you'll be there. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Have fun. I got bug spray for it because okay. <laughs> I think they're gonna have. They're probably gonna have a lot of mosquitoes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I spent a summer in the South once. Well, my, my mother's from, from the South. Oh, see, and my yeah. family's from, well, they're from, from Georgia. Yeah. Um, my family's from Louisiana. Yeah. I oh, just yeah. remember yeah, yeah. A, a hot summer. It's hot. Where I was sitting in front of the air conditioner. Oh, yeah. Oh, you were lucky. My yeah. grandmother had a fan. <laughs> <laughs> she used to say, turn the fan up. <laughs> the, then the air is going to, the heat, the air is going to fall down and it's going to be cool. And I was like, it, it's, I don't, it's not working. <laughs> the, 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 have you ever heard of that? <laughs> you take the fan. Do you remember the fans that weren't square? They had that. They were like circular. Yeah. And they yeah. Were, she would tilt it to the ceiling and oh. she would say, it's going to push the hot right. air up and then the cool air, because we couldn't turn, she wouldn't let us turn the AC on. <laughs> well, it sounds <laughs> like science like to me. 120 yeah. degrees. Yeah. It may be, yes. Yeah. Well, hot air <laughs> rises, so she's circulating <laughs> the heat. <laughs> well, we were hot, so yeah. it worked. Regina, I mean, we could talk to you all yeah, day. Yeah. Uh, but we will uh, thank you for being here. No, thank Th- you guys. And thank for you for being me. you. Oh, yeah. thank you. Also, no. my prediction, I mean, you were just talking about Regina King. My feeling is you will have an Oscar, so mm, I'm very excited for that. Oh, then yeah. they'll be like, then they really won't be able That's to tell That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and go see Shaft. Yes, go see Shaft this weekend. Mm-hmm. And you can see more of Regina Hall yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter. Every day feels like Saturday, and French fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion, and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling, and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide, and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.
Just like every day of the week, Ellen Pompeo has gone in again. <laughs> <laughs> if it's day ending in Y, Ellen Pompeo snapped. <laughs> she wants you to know that she has some thoughts. Uh, as she wants to let you know that she is not going to take it anymore. Uh, she's constantly living in network. Yes, right. Uh, she's most characters in network, yes. <laughs> but Ellen Pompeo and Taraji P. Henson sat down for Variety's Actors on Actors, uh, which has been a really fun series to watch, actually. Uh, oh, and they're always, like, long, too. I get sucked into them. It just yeah. totally takes over your day. But Pompeo opened up about the set of Grey's Anatomy, which she called a really toxic work environment no. during her first decade on the show. I had no <laughs> fucking idea. <laughs> you mean a place with all that Patrick Dempsey and Katherine Heigl and Isaiah Washington <laughs> drama? And maybe some TR nights. Yes. Uh, which, by the way, I love the turn of me at first, like, I feel like years ago, sort of maybe feeling bad for Isaiah Washington, you know, because, like, he was a black man who had to, like, get fired off of this show. Um, but now he's turned into a, like, right-wing No, person. has he? Yes. He, he, he's been cheering on Trump and talked about how, like, oh, um, Obama didn't deliver on his promises to the this black dummy, community. This dummy had an opening. <laughs> he actually had an opening to come back from that because I do feel like people looked back and they were like, we're ready to forgive you if you don't fuck up again, especially because he was good on the show. Yeah, he was great. And then, oh, come on, man. This isn't going to work for you. Yeah. Not in Chandra Wilson's universe. <laughs> Get away. <laughs> but among other things, Ellen Pompeo detailed how she was paid unfairly in comparison to her male co-stars, as well as her attempt to sort of change the environment um, of the set. The conversation drew a lot of backlash from some fans who accused her of insulting Patrick Dempsey. I mean, I mean how dare she? Yeah. These yes. can't buy me love stands are, <laughs> I was say, are coming out in droves. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I do love that Ellen's like, she got her $20 million a season and was like, I'm going to go off every day. I, <laughs> I, am, I am wealthy and necessary to this entire situation. There's nothing, they, there's nothing, there's almost nothing she can say where they would like, where they can do anything. Can she get a medium at this point? Like, or a blog? I'm just right. like, yeah. what's the memoir coming out, girl? I know. Like that. Stop giving the shit out for free. That direct deposit <laughs> and she was like, oh, you haven't seen anything. <laughs> I also just appreciate anybody on any TV show honestly being truthful about their experience on set because I still feel like in, in general, most people don't have any idea what writing on a TV show is like the environment. Everyone only has the idea that actors are kind of difficult. You know, so like anybody, her explaining, you know, getting into toxicity, whatever, I just find relatable and it general workplace way but also it's like yes please open up about it's this. also useful because when Derek Patrick Dempsey's character was killed off of the show it was seemingly out of nowhere like it was a very shocking death for the show and because he there had no not been any reports that he was leaving so if you're a fan you were like this came out of nowhere and like as at this point like when you watch TV you know to a certain extent like What's going on behind the scenes is going to impact what you're seeing on the screen. And so he, like, Shonda was like, you got to go. And then they killed him, which I think would be nice as a fan to understand, like, oh, wow, this situation was really bad. And they had to get rid of someone who was contributing to a toxic work environment, which is why they decided to make the creative decision to kill him off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a decision that you feel however you feel about it. But I feel like it is a nice, like, 
explainer and the decision making for why they made this creative decision that makes more sense than like, because it didn't make any sense killing him mm-hmm. beyond you were just like, fuck this dude, we got to get him off set. Right. And I remember growing up, you know, you would sort of like when crazy things like that would happen on TV, like appearance or something would just be like, those writers. What are they doing? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of people who, Surviving. if they hadn't explained that, would just be like, these writers and these twists, they had to kill Patrick Dempsey. It's like, they're not killing him for no reason, girl. Right. Um, Hopefully his nine-figure payout or whatever he got for that right. show is enough. <laughs> Side note, by the way, it was very funny having Ellen Pompeo talk to Taraji about working on a toxic TV show because I, <laughs> I can't imagine a set with Terrence Howard um, goes particularly well. <laughs> I want to see that when they turn the, they cut the mics. Taraji <laughs> leaned in. She was like, girl, I got you, but I'm not getting 20 million. <laughs> also, at this point, uh, when they filmed it, she might not have even known that Empire was ending. Because the way she's right. talking about it, it seems like there may be more coming. Oh, yeah. Um, there was a wild moment, though, where Ellen Pompeo said that she has never been challenged creatively on the show. <laughs> and I remember when Catherine Heigl said that <laughs> shit, it was a wrap. True. I mean, well, it wasn't exactly a wrap. People always forget that Katherine Heigl was on that show for six seasons. True. You know, um, it wasn't like she was zapped away. They just gave her like a storyline where she disappeared. Yeah, she was like for, in a tree for a season. Yeah, like they gave her cancer. And then there was a whole part where she left and Alex was like, my wife is missing. And then she came back for a couple episodes. So they, they got with there. Hanging Yeah. Right. Men in trees. <laughs> um, I mean, I listen... I, I think she's done some good acting on that show. Yeah. Ellen. It was wild. She was like, I was really proud of, you know, the rape storyline that they had just done, um, which I, that was a very good episode. Um, and she talked about how she really just felt like creatively behind the scenes that she feels proud of, like a lot of the things they had to do. But I'm like, <laughs> girl, you weren't creatively challenged well, ever. Also, you've been on the show. What is this? The 12th? season. Oh, it's even further than that. It's like yeah. 16, 16 or something. 16, yeah. So 34. Like you, how creatively challenged at this point can anyone be playing the same person for 16 seasons? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she said for the past five years recently is when she's been the most challenged. So it seems like... Right after they killed first, Derek! Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Uh, Close mouths don't get fed, but if you have to walk, don't be a victim. Ellen says her husband tells her. Ellen uh, is Ellen. Ellen married this black man and was like, I love, "Let me go on." She is always just sharing like quotes and tidbits from this black man who I don't even know what he looks like. <laughs> but I'm just as soon as like she goes home and there's just sort of like essential oils burning and I, she, uh, she was like, on <laughs> belly playing on the TV. She was on Red Table Talk, <laughs> which I saw a little bit of it. And <laughs> Jada Pinkett says something like, "Well, you know, you're th- one of them said you're the only white person who lives in your house." Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a really funny way of putting that. And I'm sure Willow Smith was like, mm, yeah, that's deep. I get it. But she, you know, think, yeah, she walks into a home every day and she's like, I'm the only white person here. Uh, and then she leaves and she's like, I've got something to say. She does. Oh, wait, essay question. Can you name one other credit of Ellen Pompeo's? <laughs> I, I can't. I don't think I can either. Uh, she was in some indie drama, I think. Was she in Valentine's Day? 
Right. You know what, though? Ellen was like, these checks are clearing. This Love show, it. you know, like yeah. that show, because it's a network one hour. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot of her year. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, let me cash this 20 million. Let me go on vacation. Like, I'm not trying to squeeze in a movie yeah. between two seasons of Grey's Anatomy. No, I mean, I respect it. I mean, she was the one who said when Katherine Heigl left the show, and I think she, you know, she wanted to have a movie career. Ellen Pompeo said, the reason I have a house where I have a house is because I stayed on this show. I was like, all right, you win. Actually, you know what? Uh, Ellen Pompeo was great as herself in um, Drag Race. Oh, yeah. Caesar. Uh, I guess that di- is a credit. Diagnosis, sickening. She said that. <laughs> oh, she was in Daredevil. Oh, correct, correct. Very yeah. good, very good. Yeah, As was, who? She was Karen Page, the Ben Affleck version. I do kind of remember that. And <laughs> yeah. was Jennifer Gardner in that? Yes. Electra, which was a movie. Daredevil. We've let Ben Affleck play way too many superheroes. I guess. Including the, whoever he was in Bounce. That he was in that, right? Yeah. Okay, yes. Is that Gwyneth Paltrow? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Where he, like, takes her dead husband's plane seat. Yes. Was that the one? And then he lies if it doesn't tell her. Mm. Like, he switched seats with her husband, and her husband died on the plane. Is that the one? Yes. And right, her husband right, died right. on the mm-hmm, plane crash, mm-hmm. and he then falls in love with her and never tells her that he could have been dead instead of her husband. Uh, that I have not seen Bounds, actually, but that sounds a lot like Magnificent Obsession. Oh, we can get into that. I mean, I Anybody, that. any movie where a character is blind for one quarter of it, that's exciting. <laughs> I've missed those romantic melodramas, though, where you know, they were essentially just um, a man lying to a woman for two hours and then she falls in love with Gaslight, et cetera. Uh, no, I should watch Bounce. That's, that's, that's my takeaway. I mean, t- I don't know if you should. Didn't you have brown hair, too? Right. It was, it, it was very, um, the advertisements were very soft. Can we briefly call out Gwyneth Paltrow in, I guess, John Favreau, not ours, has a show on Netflix called Chef, which I don't know what the show is Please about. Please come All on of, the show, though, John Favreau um, of Chef. Of Chef. Yeah. Um, and she is, he's talking to her. <laughs> so he's directed like all these Marvel movies. And he's talking to her like, oh, do you remember when you were in Spider-Man? And she's grating this orange, like the orange, like the rind. And she's like, I was in Spider-Man. And he's like, yeah, you were. She's like, no, 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 no. You're thinking of Avengers. He's like, no, you were in Spider-Man. And she just look, has no idea. And he's like, don't you remember when you filmed the scene at the end of da 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 She's like, oh, was that Spider-Man? Had no clue she was in Spider-Man. And then someone released footage of her at like a premiere or something. And she didn't know who Sebastian Stan was. Which I I just love so much. She clearly doesn't watch. (laughs) She films these movies and then just is like, that was a day of work, I guess. You know what? There was a heyday on Twitter when you would like write jokes about Goop or Gwyneth Paltrow. And then it became a little tired after a while until we did clearly did not go far enough. Like she (laughs) actually is that person. It remains shocking. She was on screen for like two minutes and she got paid probably like. Two Ellen Pompeo episodes. I, I lo- but I lo- I kind of loved it where she's just like she I really stand. didn't know she was in that movie. I stand, you know, and like if I really wanted to dissect it, um, her appearance in um, Spider Man Homecoming was technically like a cameo, and they didn't really promote it, so she wasn't on the red carpet for that movie. Right. So she doesn't even remember attending the. Pr- she didn't even attend the premiere of like yeah. Spider Man Homecoming. I don't think so. It's like. <laughs> You're really not those fucking movies, right. you know, where you're filming all these different scenes. It's just like I don't know what movie this is going in. We, she just flies to Atlanta, puts on the the, the wig, and doesn't ask any questions. Also, why does John Favreau have a cooking show? Because he was a chef. 
It does. It does. Was he in it or did he direct it? Oh, oh, he directed Chef. Wasn't Brad? Was that the one Bradley Cooper? No, he was in Burnt. Oh God! Yeah, he was in Chef. Wasn't he? Yeah, right. Yes. Mm -hmm. What's Chef? Bradley Cooper was in Burnt and Kitchen Confidential. Right. What is Chef? Um, a a movie about um someone not Ratatouille who cooks. So he has another show called the same thing. It was a movie, Chef. Oh. And I think the show is just like a series about him cooking with his celebrity friends. Okay. I, I don't know. I watched the clip because Gwen was in it, and I stand her. Um, Goop for Men started following me on Instagram. I'm very excited. I, I, want to get I miss Gwyneth products. as an actress. I fucking love her on screen. Why well, don't you go watch Spider-Man Homecoming guess, or whatever, is, whatever she's in? <laughs> I think our takeaway here is that rich white women be saying shit. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> we should all be one. <laughs> I've been aspiring for years. <laughs> when we're back, keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. Uh, <laughs> Lewis, what's your keep it today? I see you have your Jane Fonda shirt on. I do. Her power to the people block power fist is up. <laughs> yes. Um, she wants to say keep it to something, but mm-hmm. I'll let her speak through you. Okay, great. Thank you. My keep it is to Vulture, part of New York Magazine, did a ranking of the 100 most powerful drag queens. Uh, there were a couple of problems with this list, but let me just say, first of all, I love ranking things. I believe everything should be ranked, including my friends and including like whatever, most things in life, best movies, uh, songs on charts, etc. Weirdly, the way they went about it is they picked 20 people to be the best drag queens ever. And then they relegated the rest to sections like mid tier and stuff. So (laughs) accidentally, even though they are honoring a whole bunch of drag queens and, you know, I guess reintroducing them or introducing them to people who are not that familiar with RuPaul's Drag Race, they basically just said some of them are average, you know, compared to these other ones. And that I think sort of like was dispiriting ultimately. Also, it just is kind of weird to to frame it as the best drag or most important drag queens and then only do RuPaul's Drag Race queens. Yeah, because some of them don't want to do drag race. Yeah. Some of them are raising money in their own communities and doing plenty without having to be on drag race. Right, yeah. And also the photos. Oh, yeah, they did kind of like, a, a, I'll call them jarring close-ups. I mean, it was interesting because you're seeing the makeup really up close, mm-hmm. but it's an, it's a less than traditional view of a drag queen. Mm. Well, I say keep it to Vulture for unfollowing me when I stopped working for them. Oh. Mm. Well, you know, they didn't want my tweets. I wrote American Idol recaps for them, and nothing takes longer than writing a recap for a TV show. So anybody who's still doing that there... I you know, I, <laughs> honestly, I I will say like for when I see all those recaps and I'm like, my God, this is slogging through this. But every once in a while, I'm like, I don't want to watch that episode of Black Mirror, mm-hmm. but I want to know what everyone's talking about. And where do I go to Vulture for those like 5000 word recaps? It's the only way that I can catch up on NCIS and Outlander. Naturally. <laughs> Outlander. Her name is <laughs> Katrina, but it looks like <laughs> Katriana. Moving on. Mm. Wow. Subscribe to my Katriona. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kara. Uh, my keep it this week involves sports ball. 
mm. specifically mm. basketball. And it's it's generally to NBA fans. Um, I mean, specifically, it's a keep it to the Raptors fans um, at game five last night who applauded after Kevin Durant got hurt and started cheering. There was a huge dickhead who was like waving goodbye to him while he was still on the floor, like reeling from his injury. Um, a team that, listen, you're Canadian. You're lucky you even have this team. It makes no <laughs> sense that you have it at all. You should be happy to be here. And it's just it's just something that like you don't do, like whether or not it is a team that you don't root for, even if it's like a team that you hate. If a player gets hurt, you don't cheer for it because they're human beings. And like more broadly, I mean, like there was at a few games before one of the the other big story was a uh, one of the investors in the Warriors shoved Kyle Lowry, who plays for the Raptors after he fell into the stands. And like I I've been getting really tired of how these players are being treated by these fucking fans. And it's mostly this entitlement where they seem to think that like because they pay for tickets, they can say whatever the fuck they want to them. They can put their hands on them. They can do this out or the other. Um, and I think the thing about it that really I find so irritating is that. For us, like in the United States, a professional athlete is like the easiest and quickest way for a black person to be wealthy and revered by white people. Like there's it should not be the easiest path, but like generally it's like that's who we've all accepted as like professional athletes. Everyone fucking loves them. And to to see those people still being treated like shit by these fucking random white people um, really makes me angry, especially because they're working. Like when you're doing that shit, you're like harassing people at their fucking job. You're lucky that they're doing this at all, that they're choosing to play a fucking game for you. Like shut up. And in particular, like. Stop putting your hands on people. Who you was, know when white what? people treat you the nicest when you have a podcast. Oh, you think so? All black people should have podcasts. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's your protection? Yeah. Um, no, wasn't some guy just kicked out for like pushing somebody who fell into the crowd? Well, that's Kyle Lat well, yeah. yeah. So he, and that guy was an investor and in so works for like works within the NBA and shoved him um after he fell into the stands. And like he got he got he got a half a million dollar fine, but the dude's a fucking billionaire, so that's nothing. Um and he got banned, I think, for a year and certainly from the rest of the playoffs. But it's when you see that, you're like, oh, that you feel entitled to put your hands on this person is wild because you know it wouldn't happen. You sure as shit wouldn't put your hands on him if you were down the street and no one was around. And that's for goddamn certain. And that's it is that like they feel so bolstered in the moment, like to put your hands on this professional athlete when like you would never do that in any other scenario. And you should really examine why you feel comfortable doing it now. Maybe we should incentivize the beehive to take on basketball I'm fans. Not Nicole Coran. <laughs> I Leave think her alive. Listen, I think the, player, the fans. I think the players should be able to fight back. I think if you put like in real life, if someone comes, if someone walks up to me and shoves me and I beat them beat their ass, like the cops are like, oh well, they provoked you. Like you were attacked. If someone puts their hands on a player, if someone is yelling derogatory shit at someone, like if we were out in the world, the cops would be like, oh, I mean, that's what happens when you fucking touch people. I think they should be able to fight back. And I bet a lot less of that would be happening. Hmm. That Nicole Curran situation was very crazy. People really, I mean, she kind of talked to Jay-Z for a minute, right? And the fun, the, the funniest part of that was <laughs> that when she explained it, she was like, I was getting their drink orders and you can fully see in reading their lips. He goes, vodka soda. She goes, with lime? And he's like, yeah, lime. So it's exactly <laughs> what she said. <laughs> 
And the, you know what's funny with the beehive that I have to remember is, like, I tweeted about that video mm-hmm. because it was funny because Beyonce looked mad. And she's so rarely, she's so professional and composed at all times that when you see the facade break a little bit, it's, like, fun. It's like, oh, yeah, Beyonce is just like us. She gets annoyed by pushy white women. Um, but I did it like, ha-ha, look at this. The beehive is out here like, die, bitch, we're going to kill you. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, that's... That's not what I was saying. I was just like, look at this funny clip of Beyonce. And I have to remember that they are always going to go to the extreme with this. I mean, people are in my mentions right now because I said, I Am Sasha Fierce is a bad album. Mm. I thought... We agreed on this. Yeah, It's just a bad persona, too. It seems like it took her 20 seconds to come up with. It's not a bad album. It's not her best album, but it's not bad. Yeah, well... Fair. So so then maybe they're fair to be yelling at you. I, I said fair that you think that. Oh. <laughs> Did JC really say vodka soda? He's yeah, just that's out here he, drinking like a gay guy that, at Akbar. That's what he yeah. ordered, yeah. <laughs> vodka soda. Yeah. The calories. True, true. Yeah. You know, they gotta go to Soul Cycle in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. Gotta be gotta be vegan too, you know. So Oh yeah. Didn't she have the thing where, like, if you're vegan, you get concert tickets or something? I never figured that out. Mentally. They, they were doing the the, the vegan thing um, and and like really pushing it. And it was the one time when, like, usually Beyonce releases something and everyone just like take my money. This is the one time people were like, I don't know, girl. <laughs> I don't know the word. <laughs> Speaking of um, scams and payola, yeah, my keep it is fresh. Oh, yeah. DJ Collar. Losing his mind. So I already had seen the page six article last week that DJ Collar was pissed off that his album, Father of Assad, uh, <laughs> 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 he is really pimping his son like nobody's business. Like, he, what, what was there, a video of his son, like, getting a massage to? Uh, I was always, I, listen, I was in the Assad hive when he was first born. <laughs> mm. He was a very cute baby. You were treating your son very yeah. well. The and, Assad and, house. And the thing yeah. is, he was... Initially, it felt like, oh, I'm making him an executive producer on my album so that he will forever make money from this. Like, it seemed like him really looking out for his son's future. Like, it's kind of bullshit, but like, okay, now your kid Mm -hmm. is going to like get royalties or whatever. It now is like, where's your wife? Why isn't she stopping this? Right. It's like, did you win him in Legends of the Hidden Temple? Like, what is happening here? Lee, take your son off camera. Uh, Father of Assad is a wild title for his album uh, that debuted number two after Tyler, the Creator's album. Um, but he apparently marched into Epic um, with a full entourage, pissed off that he didn't get number one. And pissed off that they did not count on Billboard his payola scheme uh, by getting— I think you mean bundling. That's the new <laughs> word. Yes, bundling. Awake energy shot. Um, you were supposed to buy 10 doses of this energy drink, and you'd get a digital download of the album. I don't— and that counts. So he had sold like a hundred thousand, yeah. and that was supposed to count towards the album sales, all but guaranteeing a number one album. Yes. So he thought. Didn't work. Didn't work. And he is pissed off. And I am pissed off at these bundling schemes, to be honest. And it's for been going artists. on for a long time. It now, has 10 been years. going on. Yeah. I remember when 
Lady Gaga was selling like art pop for a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> really trying to uh, goose those sales. I have gotten Madonna tickets with Madonna. friends for her new tour, Madame X. And I feel like I have 20 digital downloads <laughs> of this album at this point. Yeah. Have, Pink did it. Metallica did it. Yeah. Did you see the video of him? There's this video that he posted on Instagram where he's sitting in like a Maybach with like his shirt open and he's just like, you know, I make real music. I make albums. You know, when you're in your car, they're playing my music. When you go to the barbershop, they're playing my music. You hear it everywhere. You know what that is? Great music. Not some mysterious shit. (laughs) (laughs) Are you talking about Tyler? What are you talking about? (laughs) Most music is played at locations and in cars. They do it with just Glenn too, bitch. And it's not that great. Also, I saw someone tweet something like, DJ Khaled is a talent booker who just like shows up on stage. (laughs) Like, that this man. And like, I always, I was a... I don't know if I was a fan of him. I was a fan of, like, the brand. I found him entertaining. Yes. But at this point, sir, you were so irrelevant to all of your music. He used to corral at least, I feel like, interesting people. Yeah. This album just has, like, what, a a lazy Cardi verse. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know this album was out, by the way. Right. And because it, the number one song on it is... Top Off, the Beyonce song, yeah. which has been out for well over a year. You can't just throw it on this album to help if bring you, up those sales. He's. I'm getting tired, too, of like there was the last song at least released by Nipsey Hussle and mm-hmm. John Legend. And then it's DJ Cal. So the two people, John Legend playing the piano, Nipsey Hussle actually rapping, and then DJ Khaled, who is in the video just as much as the two of them, where it's like, okay, man, this, you're... Enough of this. <laughs> you just out here like, and another one. <laughs> I, I, like, it's like if Vincent Price like was just randomly wandering through all of his horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not even actually playing a character. He's just like, yeah. oh, I'm here your, too. I see yeah. you being murdered over there in yeah. this house of wax. <laughs> another one. Did I talk about this on the podcast or did I just get yelled about it on Twitter when he was the SNL performer? And I was like, why the fuck is he the SNL performer? I think you just talked about it on Twitter. Yeah. And like all these people got mad at me. I'm like, he's not performing. (laughs) I like he needed like eight other artists had to show up in order to facilitate DJ Khaled performing live on SNL. That is not a live performance. To quote most YouTube creators, the definition of talent is changing. <laughs> Faggot. YouTube would add that, right? Oh, right. Because they hate gays this week. Oh, right. That they that swells up sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, anyway, we've had a great episode today. Um, thanks again to Regina Hall Woof. for wandering the halls. Of crooked media, crooked media enlightening us. Yeah, see what I did there. Mm-hmm. She took. Uh, she stole pundit. She did. She did steal pundit. She thought it was too cute. She's like, I'm taking this dog with me. Yeah, I also asked her to slap John Favreau, and she did not. She wouldn't do it. She didn't do it. She didn't do it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll see you next week.
escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.